to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And we're just like going back and forth, like fighting over this guy's dick. And at the end, like the dude's about to pop on our faces. We're both on our knees, like, I want the jizz. No, I want the jizz. No, I deserve it. No, I do. And then I squirt. <laughs> the gay boy in the face with my milk and then he's just like oh welcome to the deep i'm zoe marshall in my early 20s a lot of traumatic things happened and ever since then i have had this fascination with people and their stories this is the deep i acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which i work and live and recognize their continuing connection to land water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Ali Kali is famous as the lactating porn star. Yes, she's known for squirting dudes in the face with her milk during sex scenes. But when I started to talk to her, this conversation went in a completely different direction. It's a wild ride involving addiction, sex work, child loss, and... Meditation, masturbation, yeah, it's a lot. And please note, if any of those things trigger you, we will link support resources in the show notes. Ali Kali, welcome to The Deep. Thank you for having me. You're a mama. How old is your child? She is five. She just started kindergarten a few weeks ago. How crazy is that? I've got a four and a half year old and it is just like... One minute they're born and the next minute they're at school. It's so strange. Yeah, it's, I mean, I feel fortunate that like I've been home with her her whole life. So it feels nice to have like, now you're in school and I get to be a person. Are you a single parent? I am. How's that? That is really hard. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge and a struggle and, um, you know, looking back, I understand now why people get married and are like financially stable and do all the things first. I was really young and it was definitely uh, uh, like a spiritual decision. I had a bunch of dreams about her and so wow. I didn't get an abortion. How old were you when you fell pregnant? Um, I was 22 when I found out I was pregnant and then I had her when I was 23. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to get some context. So you had dreams about this baby. And so when you fell pregnant, was that with someone that you were partnered with or what was the situation? Yeah, we were 
<laughs> we like fell in love and then I realized he was addicted to heroin and I was like oh this is not a good situation um but my like finances were tied up with his and I didn't know how to I didn't I wasn't in a place to like know how to ask for help or you know be like mom I need to get out of this situation so I stayed in the relationship and we were very close to breaking up when I found out I was pregnant um so we did stay together for a while longer but I like figured it out got financially independent and and now we co-parent and he's sober so I'm proud of him he's doing the best he can yeah wow that's pretty major because I was going to say so you're with this person you're in love with this person and then you find out they have a heroin addiction that is shocking I mean yeah no inkling or how does that come up well, his mom told me and I was in such denial. I was like, no, no way. No. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, no. And then I came home one day and I, he accidentally left it on the counter and I saw it and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Did you stay with him through the birth and beyond? Yeah. Yes. He tried to break up with me when I was like eight months pregnant because there was a cute girl came around and he was like, I'm not attracted to you. I'm not in love with you anymore. I don't want to be together. And I was like, great. Yay. And then she didn't <laughs> want anything to do with him. And so then we just stayed together for a while. Um, but it wasn't really the same after that. Like after that, I was just like, yeah, this is. I mean, that's pretty rich to be a heroin addict and betray you with another woman and then you know like that's pretty audacious of him to be like yeah cool peace I'm not being a great guy to you and then I still want to get back with you and then we you know it's like that's very cheeky yeah 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 for sure I'm I'm I feel like I'm painting a bad picture of him he he also had a lot of things that were very lovable he was very funny and kind and you know just like somebody that whenever you're, you see them you get a big smile on your face and like they give the best hugs he was a very warm happy person like one of my dear friends before we got together and then yeah I just I think him having heroin goggles on the first part of our relationship mm. and then him getting sober he got sober before I got pregnant and we moved to Hawaii um but yeah he, we did not like each other when he was sober so that was uh, funny, but yeah. Interesting. So interesting. Okay. So you have this beautiful baby. You're quite young. Um, what are you doing for work at this time? While I was pregnant, I, well, I did get a job at a sandwich fast food restaurant in America called Jimmy John's for one day. And I've never felt more exploited in my life. And the one day I worked at Jimmy John's and there's like literally tens of thousands of pictures of my butthole on the internet. And like, <laughs> no, I will. I, like, <laughs> um, it's such a good segue. We haven't even like introduced what you do for work, but now we have. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're at Jimmy John's and then we, what happens next? Well, I had been doing porn for let's see, three years. I think, well, I started off as soon as I turned 18, I was a cam girl. I went to beauty Mm -hmm. school, but I was on online. Well, I realized I'm like chronically depressed when I was 18 and addicted to masturbating. I would like jerk off like 10 times a day. And 
someone was like, you know, you can do that for work, like from your computer. So I was like, what? Okay, cool. So I would just go on my computer, rub one out, make money, pay, pay the bills. And I did that for a long time until one of my um, clients was like, yeah, there's like a website because I realized really quick if you want to be a cam girl, having a niche is important. Like I could mm. look like any of the girls, but like to stand out. Um, yeah, I just grew a bush. So I just did hairy porn for. <laughs> I love that that is a niche. <laughs> I kind of was very like anti-establishment feminist kind of like, you know. And also, I think, too, I was really insecure about the way my vagina looked because it wasn't like a Barbie, you know, like I thought about getting surgery because I just like how wow. now I know it's totally normal. But but I like hid behind having a bush for a long time. That's so fascinating. Can we talk about those two things? Because yeah, like uh, I, I think there's something really important there for women listening that think that they might have an imperfect pussy because we have seen or we've heard through conversations men have said about burgers and lettuce leaves or however it's been discussed that one is gross and one is neat and tidy. Um, and to be in the sex industry and think that you don't have a pretty pussy and hide behind the hair, that seems like very complex, right? Because you're on display, but then you're also not completely at one with it. Was that tricky for you? I think I wasn't totally conscious of it at that point. It's like more reflecting that I understood when I when I decided that I wanted to go mainstream and like shave the bush. I had to really confront like my insecurity with my vagina, but doing porn and being hairy, like so many dudes love my pussy just the way it is. Like they're mm -hmm. like totally to me gross. Like I think I, I don't want to have hair. I think that like aesthetically, that's not my vibe. And, um, but yeah, just, just being like worshiped just for how it was exactly. And it's like a raw natural state. I don't know. Just when I, I read this book called you're a badass, how to stop doubting your greatness and live an awesome life. And I was like, I want to be on the cover of a magazine. I want to be a porn star. I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm going to get rid of the hair thing. I've been hiding behind it for years and I'm like ready to break through. So wow. that happened at, right after I had my baby. So that was, yeah, when I was lactating. And we will um, get to that, girl. We will get to that. <laughs> That's what pushed me through into, into like the next phase of my porn career. Okay. So we're camming 18 to like what, 21 or something. Then pre pregnancy and then during pregnancy. What are you doing work-wise? Still porn? Um, yeah, I did porn. I would cam sometimes. Definitely would sell my underwear or like sell my pee. Um, how? How? How do we sell pee? How do you box that up? Yeah, interestingly, uh, one guy would pay me a lot of money to pee in a cup and like take pictures of it and then soak it all up in paper towels and then put the paper towels, like leave the paper towel in the cup, seal it in a bag and then wrap it with um, <gasps> bubble wrap and ship it. So he would like, I guess, just like strain it out of the paper towels. Wow. How much? How much for this? How much for weighing um, in, and postage? <laughs> how much? I would charge $150 for a cup of my pee. 
Oui, oui, wow. And then posting. <laughs> that must have been the weirdest day though, right? Like going up to the counter, posting something and being like, yes, and you know what's in the bag, but they don't <laughs> know what's in the bag. Yeah, I would usually have uh, my baby daddy run to the post office to do it because, yeah, it was he was always going to the post office anyways for his business. But it is a funny, it is funny to think about. Okay. So we're doing some like interesting elements to the sex work. You're now pregnant. You do Jimmy John's. And then what do you do for work? Do you go back to porn during the the pregnancy? I did for a little bit. Well, the first like five months I was really sick, like throwing up blood sick. I was, yeah. I was so yeah. sick. And I went to the mental hospital because I was I got really depressed and I was just like had no support. Obviously, like mm-hmm. my baby daddy was addicted to heroin before and we had moved back to we were living in Hawaii. We moved back and um, we moved in with my mom and he was working and then he wanted to quit his job. And my mom was like, OK, if he quits his job, like you can't live here because his hands were hurting and he wanted to find a different job. But as soon as he was like, I can't do this anymore. My mom was like, you're out. And I was like, okay, we're fucked because we have to go back to like Southern California where the heroin is. And I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't tell my mom. I was too ashamed to tell her, like, if we move back, he's going to relapse. Um, And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we ended up moving back in with his mom, but I was like, you know, so hormonal and just just so dumb that you know and depressed that I was like just having intrusive suicidal thoughts and um I told my doctor like is there something natural I can take like not antidepressants because I've dealt with I've dealt with depression since I was 12 and um but this was like different this was like it felt like a voice in my head being like crash the car crash the car crash the car like you and your baby will go to heaven you'll be fine just just go just do it and so I I told I told my doctor and she was like yeah you gotta go to the mental hospital so I did that for a week and I yeah got a got a good look at our our like mental health situation and how there's just like here's a pill and feel better but I wasn't taking pills and I was I felt really sad watching that which kind of was one thing that led into what I do now is I'm an energy psychology practitioner but back to the porn thing um yes and to answer your question sorry to talk about the like no I think that's really I think it's important it's um called perinatal depression and it's when you're with child in your body and I really, I had a second pregnancy that I really struggled mentally with, um, ended up miscarrying that one, but was so dark. And I think when you're also that sick and then hormonally everything's on its head and you are just so incredibly unhappy, um, it's a really hard place to navigate let alone get up off the couch, you know, and then you have, you know, your baby daddy struggling with his own demons. You're being kicked out of a home. You're having to financially figure it out. Like it's a lot, it's a lot on your plate. So when you're in this position and you're like, I'm not in a good place mentally, but we need to get some dollars and you're at Jimmy John's and then are you back camming or what's the next step for you when you're like I need cash okay so 
out of the, as soon as I got out of the hospital, I moved back to Oxnard and I worked at this bikini bar, which I loved because it was no touching. I didn't get naked. I would just go on the stage, do a sexy dance for 10 minutes, make a bunch of money and then get off the stage. So were you at the bikini bar pregnant? Yes, but I was so skinny. I didn't start showing until I was like seven months pregnant. Got it. It was it was kind of insane, like how fit I was the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, I was pregnant, and so I was sober, and I I didn't make as much money because I was I wasn't as friendly. But it was a nice test. It was I think it was really good for me to be sober during that time because I don't know. I just was so present, and so I felt so connected to my body and. And to just do things, I really like to challenge myself and do things sober, do things that scare me sober too. It's like, okay, you know, I want to, I, my mom is an alcoholic. My dad is like a stoner. People being, escaping the reality around me happened so often when I was growing up that I, I like really challenged myself to push, push through and be sober Mm. a lot. I didn't, I don't, I I don't drink still because I don't. I don't want that to be the reality for my daughter. I so get it. Did you feel like you couldn't kind of cross that threshold of se- like sex work where you said be friendlier or, you know, you're at the bikini bar and you're still semi-clothed? Was that because you were pregnant and you were feeling like there's a sacredness to this or was it just like I didn't feel like doing that kind of sex work while I was pregnant? Um, no, I still felt like doing it. It just, I just wasn't as, you know, as, as flirty as when I was drinking. Cause it's like, you know, gross men having to talk to them. I used, I'm used to being behind a screen. It's mm. like, what's, what's comfortable for me and going into the flesh was harder and yeah, doing porn. I did do, um, yeah, I did some porn. I only did girl, girl porn for a long time. That was where I was comfortable uh, as far as like my sex work progression. And mm. I think because I'm I'm super bisexual and I'm also terrified of women. So it, it's like I used porn to fulfill my fantasies mm-hmm. and not really because I ha- ever had to. Like I could always cam or I can always I can always figure it out. I don't I never did it because I'm like, I need money. I'm resorting to this. I'm no, I did it because I love it and I have a deep passion for it and it's fun and I'm an exhibitionist and it's like I love sex and being sexy and being on camera. I I I love it. So when you began to show, would you still cam and still do girl on girl porn? Was that like cuz you know there's a definite niche for that kind of pregnancy porn? Yeah, I still cammed. I moved back to Hawaii when I was like seven months pregnant and I just chilled. I didn't, I would do private photos. I would sell videos. I would, yeah, I sold a lot of custom videos, but I didn't do like mainstream or like production videos when I was like fully pregnant. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't want to. I just, I was back in Hawaii and my roommate at the time, he had been our roommate before. He like, he really stepped up. He was like, it felt like he was like my husband. And even though we weren't dating, um, it was like him and I were a team and my baby daddy, he just was like our friend roommate. And I, it felt like I didn't realize I was in love with my other roommate 
So you were saying you were just friends, but in fact, you fell in love with him through this period of him looking after you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tricky. Okay. So let's get to the birth. Was it what you expected? Was it a vaginal birth? Was it C-section? What happened? I had a vaginal birth. I didn't want an epidural. I, (laughs) the healthcare system here, I feel like it's like the 1950s when you go to the hospital, like everybody's just slow. It's like all the people that got like C's, the C's to get degrees people that couldn't get jobs at good hospitals, (laughs) like they come here. I don't, (laughs) um, so, so yeah, I think I'm going into labor. I go in, there's like two dumb nurses. One puts her hand in, checks for my, she checks to see if I'm dilated. She can't find my cervix, sends me home. I'm like, I'm I'm like, I think something's going on. But I go to the doctor in the morning. He puts his hand inside me. He's like, you're at five centimeters. You should have stayed. And I'm like tripping out because because I'm not having I'm not in pain. I'm not. And, and I'm just like, why am I not in pain? He's like, you're just one of those people that doesn't really feel childbirth. And I'm like, OK, well, that's rad because I had this theory that well i mean it makes total sense like i reading about why women have orgasms science is like we don't know why women have orgasms we haven't figured it out and i'm like okay every time you have an orgasm your uterus contracts mm-hmm. i have 10 orgasms a day my uterus is strong as fuck like i i am ready to have a baby all of that masturbation was really helpful now yeah and i and when i was pregnant i like when i would masturbate i didn't watch porn i was super that was where i was like spiritual about about it it wasn't like as far as doing porn that's fine and that sacred time like i didn't mind showing that on the external but like that time with myself i put so much intention into the kind of person i wanted her to be and like i wanted her to have blue eyes and red hair and just visualizing this like human I was creating inside Mm. of me and just pouring so much love like every time I would come I would like pour so much love into into her can I just ask something on that which is really interesting yeah coming and thinking about pouring love into a baby right feels like lots of people would have a huge disconnect right with it like coming as sexual, baby in my belly, non-sexual. How did you marry the two? How did you do that? Um, I think because my thoughts weren't sexual, like as I was, you know, I was like meditating, I was going into like a deep meditation. And so it was like more, you know, like, like, yeah, I was like stimulating my clitoris, but mm-hmm. um. I wasn't like, ooh, this is hot. I was, or like fantasizing about men or anything. I was just really just like kind of moving the energy inside of me and just like focusing on the sensations more, I guess, in a clinical way or like a spiritual way and not Mm. really in a sexual way. Yeah. I just want to break that down for everyone listening who's just like, um, how does that Um, work? Yeah. (laughs) So then when you birth this baby, it's like your vagina, right, at that time that has been so useful for so much, takes on this different purpose, right? It's this channel. It's this transition point for the, the love of your life being born. Tell me about that for you. So 
I was at five centimeters and um, I was early and I had preeclampsia. So my uh, placenta calcified mm-hmm. and or it was at like stage three calcification, which the doctor didn't notice. I heard the tech say that. And then when I went into his office, he like didn't really mention it. And I was like, oh, by the way, like the tech said that. Is that something to be concerned about? And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that is something to be concerned about. I'm like, great. I love this doing doing my own doctoring but um so mm. we, we waited until I was at 38 weeks so for like 11 days I was just hanging out at five centimeters and I would have contractions and what I realized is that like she wasn't turned right in my belly which I don't know why they didn't like check to see this but you know I don't know why anybody does anything I I, I don't know they said when I was at 38 weeks I'm gonna come in at midnight They'll give me a Pitocin, which is oxytocin, to, like, get me ready. And then break. he said, I'll come in at 6 in the morning and break your water and the baby should be out around lunchtime. I'm like, okay, cool. I got this plan. I go into the hospital. I get the Pitocin. I have, like, my whole playlist and my coloring books and everything ready, my headphones. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. He comes in around 6.30, breaks my water. I get up and go to the bathroom. And then... Boom. Worst pain of my fucking life. Like I got hit by a train. Like mm-hmm. I went from no pain to full max pain. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit, this is this is not good. <laughs> not good. Mm-hmm. I like crawl back to the bed, get in the bed. I'm freaking out. I didn't take a Lamaze class. I'm terrified <laughs> because I have six more hours of this when mm-hmm. before he's like, oh, you're like one of the lucky people that doesn't feel childbirth. And then now it's like, nope, that's not that's not true. Yeah. I was going to say with that, I was very confused when they were like, mm, I was like, I think that's a myth. Um, Please continue. You know what? I feel like, honestly, if I would have done it naturally where like I did the water tub dream that I had that all the hippies where I live do when they do it at home, I feel like I could have made it pretty far without it hurting super badly. I think because what I read um in this book, I forgot what it was called, but she was saying that it's the fear that causes the pain mm-hmm. and that's and and I was scared I was I as soon as that happened I did get scared so it it made sense but uh, so I'm laying in bed I'm I I tell the nurse like I want the epidural and I'm also like I didn't take the class can you tell me what I'm supposed to do and she's like super she's a bitch and I'm just like oh my god and she's like okay well the anesthesiologist has two c-sections right now so you're gonna have to wait 30 minutes and i'm like okay i can wait 30 minutes Mm -hmm. i'm freaking out i'm like withering in pain my mom is like something's wrong like something it it shouldn't be like this because she's had four kids and she's like this isn't this isn't right she asks the nurse who's the dumb one that checked my cervix from the beginning of the story uh (laughs) to like just to check to see how dilated i am and so this the dumb one <laughs> puts her hand in mind you it's been 10 minutes since they broke mm-hmm. my water puts her hand in her eyes get super big she looks at the other dumb nurse and is like go get doctor blah blah and i'm like why what's wrong and she's like you're at 10 centimeters the baby's coming and i'm like what no i'm not ready <laughs> like no 
so like yeah it's, it happened so fast and then the doctor's in there and I look at that one nurse and I look her in the eyes and I'm just like I made a huge mistake and she looks at me like there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing we can do now yeah it's on it's it's funny because I like I've always heard you say the worst things during childbirth but but I always wondered like what does that even mean but like yeah looking the nurse in the eye and telling her basically that I should have gotten an abortion <laughs> Well, I remember being like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm going to pack up now. I, I, I want to, I'm just going to go home. I'm just not into this. Like it was like <laughs> these really ridiculous thoughts where you think that you have a choice because your body is just like, I'm opting out. This is just not for me. It's bizarre. Yes. So the baby was transverse and he, my giant Samoan doctor <laughs> had to put both of his hands inside of me. And oh my God. My, worst and my worst. mom my mom was telling me to like sc- scream you know she's like scream it out and he's like no don't scream just focus all of your energy on on this and I'm like you know what I've trained for this moment I have like practiced squeezing my tampons out to do, like <laughs> giving birth to tampons because I'm always trying to train my pussy muscles to be tighter oh my God. <laughs> dying and yeah. so yeah I just I just clicked into the zone I and then just I became one with the doctor and I just pushed her out and then I see in the like reflection of the light like I'm bleeding and they're like sewing me up and I didn't have an epidural or anything so that was the worst part was feeling the needle like sewing me back up but they thank you I agree that was so rude so rude (sighs) where you've just like split open your whole body is like in half and then they think that they can put needles down there I just it was disrespectful I agree. You're hilarious. So they put her on my chest. And um, yeah, this is an interesting moment for me because I did not feel that love feeling. I did not feel that like, oh, this is my baby oh, mm. feeling. I felt absolute terror and like I'm tired and I want to sleep. And just all of it was all like a me, me, me kind of feeling. And I I read I read about it because I was like this. This is kind of disturbing. Like, I feel like there's something wrong with me, but this happens when people are given Pitocin, that oxytocin for when they induce childbirth, it can have that effect of like not bonding with the baby afterwards. So here, here in Australia, it's called Syntocinin, which is, I think the same thing, but I just wanted to say it for people that are like, what is that drug? Please continue. Yeah. And that was something I felt a lot of shame about. And, but I want to talk about it because I feel like I'm not the only one that's felt this way. And I wanted to normalize like mm-hmm. that it's it's different for everyone. And the next day after I had rest and I like actually got to like be calm in my nervous system and hold her and look at her for the first time. Yes, like overwhelming love and joy and just tears and, you know, my star shine light of my life. Sweet, beautiful angel. Yeah. But do you know what? I think it is important to talk about that because so many women experience this disconnect post-birth of like, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to look at it. I just need to regroup because that was horrific or traumatizing or scary or whatever, and then circle back. And we don't need the shame attached to us when we didn't feel the way the movies are saying we should feel. So I think thank you so much for voicing that and, and honoring that because that is so true. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I want to move on now because a big part of this conversation is around breastfeeding, is around lactating. So tell me a bit about your feeding journey with your baby and what that was like for you. It was really easy. I My uh, nurse was like, you have the perfect nipples for breastfeeding. So I, you know, just put her on. She latched on really easily and it was, it was great. And then and then my milk boobs came in and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I have like the best boobs of my I life. I love those boobies. Oh my God, obsessed. Yes, me too. I decided <laughs> I'm not going to get implants because I don't want to have health issues, but like I, I miss having big giant mm-hmm. milky boobs for sure. I agree. Especially that like day two and three when the milk comes in and they're like up to your chin. That's so fun. That's so fun. Okay. So you've got a great established milk supply. You're feeding your baby. How long do you feed her for? Um, I breastfed her for like, I think until she was two and a half or three. We took a break for a little bit, but uh, went back to it. And tell me how, I mean, being a sex worker, how your fanny is, you know, after it's healed and everything, are you... Do you have a different relationship to it? Or are you like, let me get back on the horse. I want to start working again. I feel so fucking empowered. Like, which way does it go? Well, I decided I wanted to do mainstream porn. And I I got an email from an agent and they were like, we're going to promise you all these nice things. And I was like, I'm dumb in 24 or 23. That sounds great. Let's do it. So I got this agent and I booked... uh my first boy girl scene and it was after I gave birth and it was so painful. I think cause like in porn, they stop taking Viagra at some point cause it doesn't work. And they like shoot up their dick with like Viagra <sighs> medicine or something. And so it's like a rock. Yes. It was, was so hard. And like, he was super hot. So I was into that, but like, it was so painful. And I just, even though it, it hurt really badly, I'm a trooper, so I just, like, sucked it up, faked it till <sighs> I made it, got through the scene, 30 minutes of, like, the worst pain of my life, and I was like, okay, oh, this sucks. Hang on, hang on. I need context. How many months postpartum is this? I would say, like, I want to say six. Six months. And have you had sex or have you had any penis in there prior? Yeah, with her dad every, like, you know occasionally but that would be like for like two minutes and not you know not like exciting in any way you weren't prepared the fanny the fanny it was a bit of a rude awakening we call sorry we call pussies fannies sometimes okay so so at this point right you're getting into the scenes and then something interesting is happening can you tell me about the boobies i started to get attention for having milk which was funny because it's hard to shock anyone but like directors like I couldn't some scenes I couldn't like like lactate during the scene because it was for 
um, you know, more mainstream companies that that wasn't allowed in. But yeah, they would like see it and they would just be like so excited by it. So then I would like post on Twitter about that. And then, yeah, I got I got booked to do to work for the top lesbian site in the world which was awesome because it's like really hard really competitive to get to like work for this company and so that was like really awesome because they wanted to do a milk scene and I did it with Abella Danger who I didn't know who she was at the time but I guess she she's like you know a superstar so that, that was that was rad Tell me though about what that means. What is what does it mean when they want you to lactate? Like what is that? Like what give me the is it on the face? Is it on the body? Is it in the mouth? Like what is how are we using the milk from the boobs? Um yeah, I was just spraying it wherever, I guess. Like she was drinking my milk and I would spray it all over her. It was it was actually like kind of painful at the end because like she was squeezing my boobs so much at the end, like I was like bleeding a little bit. Like my <gasps> boob was like, like, like a little bit of blood was coming out. Cause she was like rough, but yeah, that was that was like not super awesome part of that. But that scene was like the top rated scene for the whole year on the top girl girl companies website in the world. What? So I was like, <laughs> so there is like a vibe for the milk and sex combo yes for sure it was it was a thing and like because i breastfed both my babes for me this is what i find so fascinating when when i was feeding and my husband would want to touch my breast sexually i would freak out it it was like these things were now purely the source of nourishment for my child. You cannot sexualize my feeding source. You know, it felt very mm-hmm. um, disconnected and wrong for me. Like I felt really like yucky about it. Did you, I'm assuming the answer is no, but did you ever, when you felt like you were going to cross the line with that, was there something there for you in that way or no? No, weirdly there. I mean, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't, but yeah, I never, I I think because it's like a professional setting and, you know, obviously like my child is nowhere to be found at, Mm. you know, she's at home with grandma. I'm disconnected totally from her. Then it was like, yeah, these are, I don't know, this is a fun thing to do and I'm exploring something and I just, I like, I just want everyone to get off. I want everybody to have as many orgasms as they can whenever they can that's like my wish for the world so um yeah I don't know I just I thought it was fun especially being able to spray it like how I could spray (laughs) it across a room it was like I could spray I could spray it so far it was so it just fun (laughs) oh my gosh so it changes like so and then would you go home and feed the baby yeah like yeah, so it's like double double use. It's like a work thing, and then it's like feeding my child. So this becomes. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking you were saying at the start of the conversation. There's a niche. Does this become your niche? It does. That's like what I'm probably the most well known for. That's what. That was my the highlight of my career was during that time, and then after that, I kind of. I really, I just wanted to be on the cover of a magazine. And once I hit that goal, <laughs> I I was like, okay, I don't really need to do 
this anymore. So how many scenes did you do with the milk? Surprisingly, not that many, like maybe like five tops. Wow. Because I've heard um, or I saw a documentary on lactating sex workers and there was one that would do like private um, escorting and generally it was just for men to suckle. Um, And I'm sure there was other elements that were sexual to that. But were you booked for things like that, like private suckling? No. I mean, I have a I have a really like big boundary around meeting people in real life. Um I haven't crossed over into escorting or like doing privates, but that's mm-hmm. just my where where I'm comfortable. I have no judgment for I f- I feel like girls that can do that, you are so brave. I that is not for me though. I surprisingly am very like um reserved on who I sh- share my sexual energy with in the mm-hmm. physical so yeah. it, it's uh <laughs> yeah but i mean more power more more power to um you know in the scenes did you have men suckling so i didn't do very many boy girl scenes i only did ones i really wanted to and i always had a fantasy to be with two guys that like also were with each other so i booked a scene for a company called why not buy and the premise was it was me and this like gay boy interviewing for a scholarship. And then we're both like fighting, trying to seduce this man. And we're, but like me and the gay boy, we don't kiss or fuck at all. And we're just like going back and forth, like fighting over this guy's dick. And at the end, like the dude's about to pop on our faces. We're both on our knees. Like I want the jizz. No, I want the jizz. No, I deserve it. No, I do. And then I squirt the gay boy in the face with my milk. And then he's just like, Oh, and then, and then we both get the <laughs> shot on our faces. <laughs> I just would love to be the writer, you know, a behind the scenes of like the story arc would just be, was that a moment for you on set where you're like, I'm going to do this? Or was that set up prior? Um, no, I decided or I like asked if I could do it. Cause it was just, it was, it was the funniest. That was one of my very favorite scenes I've ever done. It was the funniest like storyline and it was so silly and it was just, it was the greatest. I loved working with that whole crew. When did you um, retire the lactating moments? So in 2019, there, there was another mama that I met she was we like co-starred in a lactating scene together she had she had a baby a couple months after I did and this is a this is like a trigger warning this is like a a dark story as to why Mm -hmm. my career ended um just wanted to state that uh Mm -hmm. but she we had all these synchronicities we both like had our babies around the same time we both lived in the same area uh, even though our shoot was like an hour away, we lived like five minutes away from each other. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like a mom friend and you do porn too. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like our babies are going to grow up together. This is wonderful. Um, and at that time, me and my baby daddy broke up and I decided like, okay, I'm going to do boy girl porn. Like I'm going to like do it and do it like fully send it even though I don't want to I don't want to have sex with men on camera but I can't afford this apartment by myself and that was like the point where like I was about to do porn for money and not because I wanted to so I have like all these scenes booked like for browsers and like top companies Mm -hmm. I was I was ready to make my break Mm. uh and 
she her parents found out she did porn and kicked her out and so I and her husband had PTSD and was a vet and they were both really struggling because her body did not recover uh the way mine did after having a baby so like her career was really struggling and I felt I had a lot of compassion for them and so I was like you guys can stay with me in my one bedroom apartment (laughs) uh and and you have a month you can figure it out like to figure it out and so one morning I wake up to her screaming and like I knew as soon as I woke up that it was a death scream like like you could I felt it in my bones and I yeah, this is the trigger warning. Sorry. So I hear like, she's frozen. She's frozen. And I'm confused. My baby daddy stayed the night that night. He's like, well, can you put her in front of the heater? Like what's going on? I, I get up, I go in, I look in the crib. I see her baby just laying there. I know she's dead. Um, oh you know, they're on, they're on the, they're on the phone. Like it, it all happened so fast. The ambulance comes, my baby's awake. She doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, we're going to go to grandma's house like um and figure it out or like you know it was like here's my contact info uh and then they come at like midnight that night and they're like asking us questions and they're like okay well babies don't just die we don't know how this baby died uh and until we figure it out we're gonna take your baby (gasps) and so they took my baby and I didn't see her for two weeks oh my Uh, god and they yeah i i was stupid i didn't know i thought like cops are on your side and you're supposed to just always be honest so like when i when they asked me questions about my baby daddy i was just honest and like you know talked about why we broke up because he relapsed on heroin and i didn't want to deal with it and blah 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 blah. and so i think to them it looked like you know two porn stars in a tiny apartment like and a dead baby like this doesn't look good but i you know, they drug tested me. I had no drugs in my system. I had a, a marijuana pipe in my house. And um, yeah, they said that I had depression, so I wasn't fit to be a mother and that I had substance abuse issues because that's just what their like charges were against me. And they, the reason why, so I found out two months later, it took two months to get the toxicology report back and to find out why they took my child and why I was only allowed to see her for two days a week for three hours for like three months was because she had sepsis. Your baby? No, the other baby, the baby that passed. Sorry. Can I just ask how old both your children were this time? Uh, my daughter was almost two. She was going to turn two <sighs> in like two months. And the other baby was, I think, a month older. So she was, like, also almost two. Okay. So so the baby had sepsis. Yeah. So it, but it gave her a false positive for amphetamines. And so what? they were, like, yeah. So they, that's, that's what they said. And, it, and it's really fucked up because the system in the United States where, like, they when they get children into the system they want to keep them as long as possible because they make a bunch of money from the state each kid that they get so it's really wow. really really fucked up it's really it's really fucked up and it's like it was devastating obviously like losing one baby super close to me losing my baby having to go through the system and at the same time i 
I just took all the lessons. I was like, obviously, the universe wants to teach me something. So I took all the classes. I did all the things. I was actually very grateful because they said they told me I was codependent. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But actually, yes, I am codependent. <laughs> and which is why I was like, here, struggling family, come live with me and I will take mm. care of you. Mm. And instead of like worrying about myself and taking care of myself, I, you know, felt that need to just do that. But yeah, the lessons I learned from it and going to um, something called Naranon. Is it Narcotics Anonymous? Kind of. It's like a support group for families and friends that are like struggling with somebody who is addicted. Ah, yes, I've heard of it. So it's not it, you're addicted. It's like you're the loved one of the addicted person. Yeah. And having that time, even though it was hard to just kind of take a step away from being a mom and like mm. focus on my shit. I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. I always try to find gratitude for everything. Like even though even though it was a fucking terrible situation, just like one, I I canceled all my shoots and, you know, I didn't I didn't go through with doing something I didn't want to do. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it got me out of my lease from my apartment. I got to like get out of this whole mess I was in, and I got to learn a lot about myself and go to therapy and like do a lot of work. And then. To have the judge tell me <laughs> that I was the fastest person in their county to get their child back <laughs> was like uh, laughable to me because I'm like I don't I didn't do anything though like so she was how long was she physically out of your full time care for two months I just can't even imagine did you know where she was did you know the family oh yeah she was with her baby daddy's uh mom. So she okay, was with grandma. God. Okay, she wasn't with the in a system like a foster home. Yeah, she was for two weeks while they were like figuring out everything. So there was like <sighs> that two weeks where, I, but I was in complete shock. I didn't feel I didn't feel anything. I was disassociated for that time. Like I didn't I didn't really eat or talk, but I was just kind of a ghost of a person, like not really comprehending what happened. Can I ask? Um, how did a baby get sepsis? Can you? Did you ever find out? I never found out. Uh, it could have been anything. And it, it's the worst part for me. The part that makes me sick to my stomach is when we went to get our stuff from the detective. He told my baby daddy that when they cut her open, she was rotting from the inside. So, like, they knew from Who knew? the beginning. The coroner knew. The detective knew. Like, they had to have known. Like, they wanted to say it was one thing. But, like, they said they, they literally knew. Yeah. Did you notice that this baby, when it moved in with you, was sick? It was. So she, the weird thing, there was a weird thing was that, like, she was smaller than my daughter. and But she would be in, like, size six diapers. And she would fill up a full diaper in the middle of the night and then, like, have to be changed. I babysat one time and, like, that happened. And I was like, this is kind of concerning. But, like, they'll figure it out, you know. Like, that's how I thought. And then, yeah, she wasn't. She was very docile. Like she was, she wasn't like if I would try to interact with her, she'd kind of like scream at me or like you know, I I didn't I didn't notice I didn't think she was sick though. Like she was really sweet and you know she was a good baby. She would go to bed in her crib at night. Like she seemed more behaved and like just even tempered and just like ch she was mm -hmm. chill. And my baby was just mm -hmm. like you know wild and into everything and like and and looking back now I understand like. Yeah, she probably just wasn't feeling well. Little darling. That's so 
traumatizing and on every level for every person, you know, so traumatizing. Can I ask a question that I know everyone is like, for fuck's sake, Zoe, ask the question is how is it for you? You know, the, the older your, your daughter gets for you to share what you do for work what is your thought process around explaining those things? Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, I'm I'm an energy psychology practitioner. After that big trauma, I was like, what is trauma and what it, what does it mean and why why do we do this? So I I shifted careers totally, but I still cam sometimes for fun. And I have thought about this is that I'm just going to be honest with her. Like I'm just I I feel like um I grew up with so much shame and I was a really sexual child, like, you know, principal calling my mom all the time, getting in trouble from parents, friends calling my mom. Like my mom was hearing about me being a slut from the time I was like 10 years old, even though I didn't lose my virginity until I was 16 and I married the boy I lost my virginity to. I was a really, really good girl, but I was just, I think because I was, I guess, molested, even though I don't really remember by a babysitter when I was four and then I was just a hypersexual child and Mm. that was something that like even I have a soccer card from when I was five years old and on the back of it it says like hobbies and it says free climbing exotic dancing and swimming and I'm like who the fuck who the fuck let one what like this had to be written down on a piece of paper. Like I can't write. They're asking questions. Who wrote this? And then, and then who from life touch the like photo company thought that that was okay to put on a five-year-old soccer card. Like, yeah, Yeah. but I got so much shame from so many people and I repressed it really hard. And then when I, you know, when I like was, 19 I went to Burning Man for the first time I it was the first festival I ever went to and I don't know if you know what Burning Man is I do if I you've do. Heard of it uh I thought it was like a craft fair I didn't I hated hippies at the time too so I like went into it not knowing and then got my first hug like an open-hearted hug from a stranger and I was like whoa this is what I've been missing my whole life and I for a week just got to be my complete authentic self and then I went to another festival a few weeks later and took LSD for the first time and then realized that like my whole life was a lie (laughs) that all these like social constructs that have built built around me as a person to to, like shape my identity or what I thought society wanted me to be was all bullshit. And I actually am a really sexual person. And I, and then I was like, I want to like release the shame and I want to teach women that it's okay to be sexual it's okay to be a slut and like you know run wild with your sexual energy is something mm-hmm. i was judging so harshly judging women so harshly for was something that i really just wanted to be doing myself and so i, I wrote a book and i haven't i'm about to publish it but it's about you know about that repressing my sexuality and then all the adventures my vagina took me on after I embraced my sexuality. And so going full circle then, how will that play out for how you raise your daughter and how you share what you do? If she has questions, I'll be honest with her. And I want to teach her that 
sex is something <laughs> now I'm now I'm coming into a point again where like I've been celibate since October. I mean, I've broken a couple times, but I've been really trying hard to practice discernment and who I share my sexual energy with is like when I love somebody. I'm not just like fucking for validation. I want to teach her that she doesn't need to do that for validation. Like it's okay to explore for sure and figure out what you like and really like loving somebody and being in love. That's, that's the best. It's, it's mm. the best sex you'll ever have. It's mm. like being in love. And she was like, I want to move into sex work, mom. I want to do what you did. Is that okay with you? I mean, if she was 18, geez, that scares me. But I mean, yeah, I, it would be okay with me. I just would, I just would want to know what she's doing and I wouldn't want her to hide it from me because so as much as it would be uncomfortable, I would, I would want her to feel safe to talk to me so that I could keep her safe and like keep her from making dumb decisions because, mm. you know, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of situation she would get herself into, but I would want to know and be supportive and but yeah i mean if if that's what she wanted to do i'm hoping that i hope i hope not but <laughs> mm. who am i to judge <laughs> mm. it has been so incredibly insightful and fascinating to hear some of your life i i, I definitely thought this was going to be a different kind of conversation and there's so much more that we got to talk about. I'm really grateful to you for being so courageous sharing all of that. We do have one more question that every guest gets, which is, who are you when no one's watching? Who am I when no one's watching? I am a cat. I am, I I think I have, I am like waiting to get a sleep study done, but I, I'm pretty sure I have narcolepsy. I'm the yeah. sleepiest person in the world. I do, I spend like the majority of time in bed. So I am just a cuddly, snuggly cat. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us on The Deep today. Yes, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.